Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan. My name's Tim. And we're back. This is Deja Vu, Dan. Uh, Tim, I just feel like we're on the hamster wheel, mate. We're just going around <laughs> and around and so It's just the same thing week on week. It's Groundhog Day. It definitely has nothing to do with the fact that last week I deleted this episode <laughs> <laughs> and we're recording it again. You didn't necessarily hit any button. Or no, anything like it, that. Just, it just disappeared on my watch. You just corrupted the file, that's yeah. all. <laughs> nah, it's not your fault. We should open up an investigation about these corruptions. Yeah, I would definitely... You're going to get like a late night raid on your home (laughs) by the Secret Service. (laughs) Well, at least we'll get to the bottom. They'll they'll find nothing because all the files will be corrupted. (laughs) (laughs) I've deleted all the evidence. (laughs) So, if you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, we did record this episode last week. Correct. And we're going to... Basically talk about a lot of the same things again. A lot of so, them. There'll be some changes. We may have lost some of the verve behind it, but uh, we'll try and relive it as well as possible. I'm, because I'm just as hyped up. I'm just mm. as energetic. Probably more. I just had a coffee. My first one all week. So yeah. I'm a little bit pumped. I can see you're pumped. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty pumped. pumped too. Yeah. Because I also had a coffee, Dan. Yeah. Well, I knew we had about 400 appointments today. So, <laughs> I, a lot of meetings. I decided I needed, <laughs> I needed a coffee. Coffees definitely make the meetings more enjoyable. They do. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of like alcohol, I guess. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> this makes life better. Uh, all right. Cool. Uh, Tim. What, what is the Tim, Tim and Dano? Brilliant. Oh, nailed it. Oh, we're back. We're back. This is what we need. We need a coffee. I'm a little bit jumpy, actually. I'm like squirming a See, little bit. Coffee and accounting doesn't go well. But coffee and like if you have a meeting day mm. does go well. Does go because well. if you if you're sitting at your desk and trying to really focus on a task that takes several hours, mm. hmm. you'll be Not hyped. Happen. At, you'll be hyped at the start, mind going everywhere, but then by the end you're probably sleepy. Well, yeah, you'll be sleepy, but you just can't focus. Yeah. You know, you're just gonna find reasons to be distracted. Yeah, it's true. So that's probably our down though, I guess. Uh, <laughs> just distraction. Nah, we've had a. I've, it's been a pretty good week actually. Yeah, um, it's been. It's been. An interesting week. Um, it's spring. It is spring. Spring Loving has spring. sprung. Spring has sprung. Uh, what else has been happening? Uh, been a fairly productive week, sort of. You know, the first few days were very productive work-wise, and then mm. a lot of kind of admin things got me distracted towards the end. But well, I tell you what, Dan. Um, you can just smell spring in the air when it's grand final time as well. And <laughs> That's this weekend, isn't it? Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited. The Giants? Are you going for the Giants? I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm a classic Australian going for the underdog. I I got in I got in the car yesterday and um, I listened to ABC Local, which when there isn't an, a local show on, it just goes to the Sydney mm-hmm. show. Yeah, sure. Um, there's like an afternoon drive. Um, and the guy from Cat Empire was on there. Oh, yeah, yeah they wrote the song. And they wrote the song yeah. for the Giants. Yeah, yeah and they were, so, they were playing the song. So it just sounds like a traditional AFL kind yeah. of tune, you know, the kind of marching kind of song. Yeah. And, but they talk about being giants and being bigger than yeah. everyone else. and That's cool. Like, a little I, bit of a trumpet thing in there. I was pretty stoked that the Cat Empire... I love them. I know. They're, that's why I mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. pretty stoked they wrote that song. Um, yeah, no, I'm going for the giants. There was a guy um, who 
It's sort of friends of friends, I guess. Yeah. Family of friends. Mm. Family of a friend. Yeah. Um, who plays for the Giants. Yeah. And he, so, he's, he's got a good story. Mm. He, uh, he always played junior footy in, in my local league. Mm. And I played against him a few times. And mm. he was always a gun. Mm. Like, just tore it apart every time. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he seemed destined for the AFL. But then just lost his way mm. for a few years. Um, and then at the age of like 22, which mm. is pretty late for AFL, he mm. got a, a rookie pick into the Giants. Yeah. Didn't play a game for a couple of years, but now he's like slowly cemented his spot and he's playing in an it's, AFL grand final. Yeah, it's pretty big. AFL grand final. Yeah, it's massive. So, that's like, um, that's the peak. That's it. You've, you've done oh, it. Exactly. I mean, maybe playing the Anzac Day game would be just as big. Probably not, but like it's a big thing. Oh, no, it's bigger than that. Because, yeah. yeah, there's way more on the line. And so. plus, there's only two teams that ever play that Anzac Day game. Yeah, exactly. Every year, it's, yeah. just, it's just a big atmosphere at the yeah. Anzac Day. It's not like there's a lot of... It's not like it's lot the prestige on the, lot of the riding grand on final. It. Yeah. There's a lot riding on the grand final. So, yeah, it's cool. So, uh, looking forward to that. And there's another big story as well. Did mm. you hear about Marley and uh, Pickett? No. So, this guy, he was picked up halfway through the year for Richmond. Mm. And he... Um, He's 27. Mm. He, he's, he's been in jail before. He spent a couple of years in jail when he was like 18. Mm. So, he, he's come from a bit of a rough background. And mm. um, he's been playing over in Western Australia, killing it over there for years. But no one's wanted to take a risk on, on picking him up mm. as an AFL player, mm. uh, even though he clearly had the talent for it. Mm. So, Richmond, halfway during the year, they had a place on their list. Um, and everyone can take a player from a, the lower league mm. and Richmond chose him mm. and uh, he broke his finger so it looked like he was going to be out for the rest of the year anyway mm. but he's come back playing playing Rezies for Richmond um, played so well that he, he won the best on ground in their reserves team grand final that they won last week oh, nice. for Richmond yeah and now he's been picked to make his debut at the AFL grand final. in the grand final imagine making a debut in the grand final mental but Mental. So, so obviously someone's out for Richmond. Yeah, there was, had to there was an, some so, yeah, there was an injury last week. A guy dislocated his shoulder and he can't play this <sighs> week. I feel bad for him too. Oh, I know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That would suck. But you, you play the whole year for that game. I know. No, no. Every year there's stories like that. And like there's this one guy that's played the entire season and doesn't get to play the grand final. And then there's another guy who hasn't played a game all season of and AFL now plays ever. the grand final. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> It's mental. So, there's a few cool stories like that yeah. rolling around. I like it when there's all mythology around grand finals. Mm, yeah. And AFL seems to be a bit better at that than NRL. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Maybe it's just because NRL is just full of thugs and it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that like, if you if I followed it, there would definitely be those stories yeah. in it too. But I think that's the thing. No one like follows it. The though. NRL guy got picked up by um, an NFL team. Man, he's a giant. That happens a few times, guy. actually. There's oh. been a few a AFL guys that's been picked yeah, by punters, the NFL. Yeah. Punters, yeah, they just go in and do the kicking. Yeah, mm. yeah. But anyway, yeah. that's a good one. Good time uh, of year. So my Tim and Dan Lowe is just uh, yeah, just the same. Just getting work. Um, not as excited for the grand final, but now that you've spoken about it, I'm kind of ooh, maybe some, I will watch it. I mean, some intriguing it's, factors. It's on during the day on Saturday though, isn't Two it? Two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Saturday. It's a weird time. That's nice. it's a perfect time. Mm. It's the time. All AFL used to be played at two o'clock on Saturday. Every game, once upon a time. Really? Yeah. Doesn't is it um, is it the gridiron that does that in the US? They play like most teams play it like could one be. time. It could be. It's like he heaps of games happen Sunday mm. at a particular time, and then there's yeah. a few others. Yeah, I think Sunday is the day they play. Yeah, yeah. That is kind of cool. It's cool, but then you can't watch them all. 
But there's probably so many games because yeah. league, there's so many plot teams. teams. In the league, yeah. yeah. So interesting. The AFL kind of spreads it over the weekend mm. now, which is good. I like that too. So AFL doesn't. Do they play any on Thursday? They are starting to. There's yeah. about six or seven rounds where they play on Thursday night. Okay. So they would have, and sometimes there's a Monday as well. Yeah, so the NRL did that for a while. They had a Monday mm. and a Thursday. Or, yeah. Oh no, it was Friday to Monday, and now it's Thursday through to yeah, whatever. Mm. Interesting. Intense. All right, Tim, do you have a business update? Business time. Yes, I do. It's business. <laughs> business That's it. time. You channeled me. Yeah. Um, Google's 21st birthday. 21. Yep. Happy birthday, Google. Key to the... Makes me feel pretty old. House. Why do you get a key on your 21st? Um, check this picture out as well on the Google search engine if you're checking out Google today. Uh, it's like a, it's an cool. original a old PC. Mac. Yeah. Or a Mac or old computer. Oh, it could be PC, I suppose. It's just yeah. an old computer. It's just an old computer. We say old, but it's what, obviously 1998. <laughs> 98. Isn't that crazy? Um, I reckon like... Can you remember like being in a computers class in primary school mm. and using Google? Um, I can. I, I can't actually. They had like a special room at my primary school yeah. that had um, air conditioning yeah, and I ventilation. Rem- I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> we had the same at Berkeley. It was a, there was a, a, an AV, like a computer room and you go in there, it's just a room full of old computers. Yeah. But I don't yeah. actually ever remember using Google. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember using it and mm. sort of being like, what is the application of this? I'm not sure if there's anything I have questions on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of any questions. Nah. But um, I don't even think we really used the internet to yeah. be honest, in my computer room. It and you like- had to be very specific because, I don't know, I mustn't have really put two and two together with Google yet. So I wanted to look at Essendon's website, for example. And mm. I, I was like, oh, but what's their web address? I just don't know. <laughs> Essendon.com.au maybe and then it wouldn't be right and then yeah turns out I just needed to Google it. It is pretty funny to think that the biggest company in the world Alphabet Inc which is the company that owns Google mm. they that's what their name is now mm-hmm. okay. um, was born and grew in our lifetime. It's crazy. It's actually crazy. Yeah. Imagine if you jumped on the bandwagon at that point, like uh, bought some shares. I think most of the other biggest oh companies God. would have been around for forever, like yeah. Apple, well belong, well before us. Well, then, well no, see that's Although not true. Amazon's new as well. Amazon, Facebook, Facebook. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All these like Facebook and all these things. What's well, all data related? Yeah. Which is relates to our main topic today. It does relate to our main with topic, Roz. Tim, with, with Roz. Uh, that's a cool business update, Tim. Yeah, thank you. Um, there's also another one. We had a good chat about this last week, Dan. <laughs> we did. All right, let's get revved up, Tim. The, the, the accountant's exemption. Okay, so... What quick, is the accountant's exemption? So, uh, historically, there used to be an exemption for accountants to provide some advice, some limited advice around self-managed super funds. Basically, mm-hmm. should you set one up and should you close it down? Yeah, which um, is a lot of Australians um, are very interested in self-managed super funds. Mm-hmm. And but they don't understand what it is and they need help. Yeah. So at the moment, um, this rule was changed a couple of years ago and basically accountants can't tell you to set one up or close one down. They can do the tax work. Mm. They can tell you how tax-wise it works, yeah. but they can't actually look at you in the eye and say, 
this is a good idea. You mm. should set up a super fund. Or, hey, you're losing money. You should close your super fund. Yeah. Um, so that's a recent change. That's, 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 a, that's a recent change that you, accountants can't do that. So you need to go see a financial planner. Yes. So if you want to set one up um, and, you don't, and you're unsure, the only person you can go to for advice is a financial planner, yeah. which means you have to pay fees, you have to yeah. do stuff. And that's the issue with this is that there's a gap now. That there there's is. people who want to set one up but don't want to go see a financial planner mm-hmm. um, and just need a little bit of guidance. Yeah. Um, an accountant can set one up for you if you go to them and say, I want to set this that's up. I, I understand I haven't gone to see someone. I don't want any advice. I just want you to do the actual setup, setup of the entity for me and yeah. the tax work later. Mm. Accountants can do that. Um, but you're not getting the advice, you know, they might be sitting there going, Hey, this is a terrible idea, but they can't tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah. Like we're not legally allowed to, yeah. to say anything mm. to them around that. Otherwise we risk some repercussions exactly. and it's a really tough one because we're trusted and we can see what the client is like. Mm. We know their sort of experience and history. Mm. We know a lot of their I, I guess business or mm. personal financial situation. Mm. Um, sometimes not so much personal, but mm. we do know a lot about their business if they're self-employed. Yeah, and sometimes you can tell it's pretty black and white. Yes, um, this super fund's going to work perfectly for you because yeah. it might be a commercial property. You're going to run your business out of it. Exactly. You've got enough in super to buy it outright. Yeah, but we still can't say anything. We yeah. can't give them that advice. And so we're kind of in this tricky spot where we then have to refer them off to a financial planner mm. or we have to consider going and doing a degree essentially mm. in financial planning to be able to give that advice and paying a licensing company like 10, 15 grand a yeah. year to, to actually be able to give that sort of advice. And then we have to start charging yeah. to do that. Exactly. Um, it's tricky. It's it really is, tricky. It, it is tricky. And so the reason we're talking about it though yeah. Is because they're thinking, well, there's been some moves to bring the accountant's exemption back. Yeah, Treasury has kind of said, hey, we're thinking about maybe bringing this back because we Mm. recognize there's a hole in the market. And the whole reason they got rid of it to begin with was because there's obviously a lot of um, dodgy stuff happening in this sector, in this financial planning kind of sector and, and, you know, people being charged fees for services they never got. Um, you can see a situation where there might be a dodgy accountant telling all of their clients to set up a self-managed super fund oh, yeah. because then they can get the fees for setting it up. There's and obviously financial that's not gain to be made from yeah. and so certain you, advice. And, and it might not be in that particular client's interest to do it, but the accountant's just getting some fees. So you can definitely see that scenario and understand why. But if there is a trusted advisor and if you've got someone that you trust, then... There should be no real reason why they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, an accountant still can't tell you what investments are the best option for you. Yeah, for sure. But that's a, that's a financial planner. You should yeah. go get advice from an expert in that area. Um, yeah, well... But so what's, hmm. what's happened now is Treasury has said, we're thinking about bringing it back. And uh, CA, Chartered Accountants... And CPA. And CPA together said, hey, we don't think that's a good idea. I've actually got some... Um uh, a bit of an update on that. We we are um, we've reached out to CPA and we're keen to speak to them about this. Yeah. Um. We've been our details have been passed to Paul Drum mm-hmm. from CPA. So hopefully we can have a bit of a chat with him and naming him, Tim, naming him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to grill him. We just want to understand the CPA's reasoning. Yeah. Exactly. Um. The reason I'm naming him is because I've got something he said in um. Oh, it's CPA tax news, an email yep. I received yesterday. I got the same email. So, um, the reason 
they've put here is that the objective of the future of financial advice, FOFA mm. reforms, um, was to ensure advice is in the best interest of clients and advice should not be put out of reach of those who would benefit from it. And this has arguably not been achieved. Mm. That's their... I guess that's their reason for... They're saying... You need the to review the whole so thing. Yeah. They support not... They think the accounts exemption should not be brought back. Mm. But they're also saying that the way things are right now isn't working. isn't working either. Yeah. So, as a CPA member, we're kind of like scratching our head thinking, all right, well then what is... What are you proposing? Yeah, exactly. I mean... Because yeah. some, some accounting bodies mm. have come out and said, no, the accounting exemption should come back. Yeah, exactly. The Institute of Public Accountants mm. said, we, no, we think this should come back. I think the Tax Practitioners Board or someone mm. else said, hey, maybe this is a good idea. There's a lot of software companies as well, like BGL yeah. came out and said, said they, support the, yeah, yeah, they support the accounting exemption. It's an interesting one because CPA and CA didn't address the members either to see what their views were. They and I guess that's came. kind of... It kind of makes sense because, well, the accountants... Are biased, yeah. Uh, and I think you know these accounting bodies are there for two reasons. One, it's to provide services to the members to help them, mm. but two, it's to ensure the integrity of the profession. Yeah. So if yeah. they think that this would reduce the integrity of the profession, then it is their duty to then put that forward. But we can't dodge the reality, and we see this, mm. and accountants everywhere would see this, and clients would experience this. So people who are listening would experience this where they go to an accountant and they may have a very simple case for opening a self-managed super fund. Mm. And the accountant says, I can't help you. You have to go speak to a financial planner. Mm. And then they're put through the financial planner's process, which is a good thing most of the time. Yeah. But it's going to cost them more money. And then they're still going to have to pay the normal setup fees Mm. and the normal accounting compliance fees Mm. on top of an extra person getting in the mix there yep. for an advice fee, which oftentimes is fixed. It's mm. not based on how complicated your scenario is. It's mm. just based on trying to benefit your personal situation. So, yeah. if you've got a very simple solution, buy a commercial property, run your business, business out of it, yeah. then um, there might not be that much value in it for someone to pay three or four grand for a financial planner and an ongoing monthly fee. Mm. So, people are feeling like they need to do that mm. right now. And that's where that's why this is being raised. Yeah, I think that that is the gap right there. It's, yeah. it's someone who has a simple thing that they want to do. I think so. But can't do it without going to get that advice. Yeah. Um, I, I, think they, I always yeah. recommend if someone comes and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting a self-managed super fund, I'd always recommend go see a financial planner. Definitely. Because mm. most Generally, people... Generally, they'll meet you for free anyway exactly. to begin with. Most people don't want to get, um, you know, they just don't want to be in their, their retail fund or whatever anymore. Mm. And they just want to control it. And they might not know what investments to get. So, perfect. Yeah. Go see a financial planner. They're yeah. going to help you with the insurance. They're going to help you with your investments yeah. and the strategy. Perfect. Yeah. That's going to work like for 90% you. 90% of the time, yeah. people should see the financial planner. But there's this gap of the 10%. There is. And, and that's where this whole debate comes in. So, I'm interested to hear from the CPA. I'm interested to see where this goes further. Yeah. And um, let's just keep an eye on this space. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be able to update a, a short episode yeah. with a chat with Paul Drum mm. over the next couple of weeks. That'd be great. Cool. Tim, do you have a Tardust tip? I do, actually. So, I'm just going to use the one I used last week. Mm, I'll pretend I haven't heard this. <laughs> yeah, act, act shocked. Yeah. <laughs> because your reaction was definitely shocked mm. last week, I think. Um, so, this one is called 
take your own food to the football. <laughs> and this is the <laughs> second one that's come from uh, Celeste. Celeste, yeah. Um, now, Celeste, uh, last two weeks ago, when we when we mentioned your one about the chippies, um, <laughs> uh, wrote us a message. Oop, I just bumped the microphone. <laughs> wrote us a message and said that... Uh, uh, you guys spent way too long on something that's probably a five dollar savings. And as I as I said at the time, and as I think right now, we've spent far more time on far less savings. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we like oh. your we like your tight ass tips, Tim. You've also got family members, I believe, that um, you yeah. know, family in law that uh, follow this this tip. That's right. So so Celeste's tip was more about local footy. Yep, and it was about just taking your own food, like pack a sandwich or uh, a roll to, to take to the local footy, um, mainly because it's healthier sometimes and um, and it saves you money. Yeah. In that scenario, I would probably say you might be supporting a local footy club by doing that. So that's actually, you know, I can see spending money at the canteen mm-hmm. as a good thing there. Um, but if you're going to go see like a game of AFL or mm. NRL, mm. It could be a different way you might want to go about it. You, you don't want to pay for that $7 hot dog. No. And and the $6 soft drink or beer. So, you know? Jade, uh, I, to- I told her about this and she she wasn't that impressed. <laughs> I told her I'd use this as a tight ass tip. Um, so, so, you're going to double down and do it again. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, her uncle is a diehard Rabbitohs fan. Yeah. And uh, Rabbitohs... Can we confirm it's Rabbitohs? I think so. Because last week you were unsure. I was unsure, but yeah. I'm just going to run with Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs. Um, Rabbitohs fans have a bit of a reputation mm. and uh, you know, maybe they're a bit rough. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's a diehard Rabbitohs fan. He goes mm. to every game pretty much. Mm. And um, there was a few years ago, a famous uh, video made famous by the footy show, mm-hmm. the NRL footy show, which is one of the biggest shows for the NRL. It's, yep. it's a bit of a comedy yeah. slash media news show for NRL. No longer exists. No longer exists, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it shows up to that now. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, they showed this funny video of a guy in the crowd um, who was pulling hot dogs out of a thermos <laughs> and making, putting them in rolls uh, and like putting some ketchup and mustard on them and then handing so them great. around to fellow supporters it's in the crowd. such a good idea. Turns out it was Jade's uncle <laughs> takes his hot dogs in the thermos. And it's just so funny to watch. If you look it up on YouTube, just go Rabbitohs fan hot dog in the mm. crowd or something like that. Mm. And um, just watching a hot dog come out of a thermos <laughs> is just a, one of the weirdest things you'll ever see. Did he have little tongs or is it just like I pulling out of like the like He might have had a fork yeah. or like a, a spike, <laughs> like a, a, a toothpick of it's like a It's such a good idea. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, and you're right, Dan. The, generally, the hot dogs sit there and they're cold by the time you get them and they cost mm. like eight bucks. So, um, take your own food to the footy. I like, like it. Like Jade's uncle. Perfect. Great tight ass tip, Tim. Thank you. Great tight ass tip. All right, let's move on to our main topic today. It's our chat um, with Roz Harvey. It was an awesome chat, actually. She, yeah. She'd just come off um, giving her... One of her keynote keynotes. addresses. Or, or maybe it was just before her keynote. Was it just after? No, it was, it was after. It was just after. Yeah. Um, actually, it was because we watched it. We watched it, um, yeah. It was good. And it was a really good... Um, Keynote, you know, she is the founder and, and CEO of a company called The Yield, yep. um, which is essentially the other side of the coin to like Facebook and, and those kind of things where they're using big data, yeah. data that you create in your business or in your life, you know, through all these apps you use, your Google, your, your add-ons, all these things create data. Mm. And they're using all that as well as weather patterns and other things and putting it all together to help farmers predict 
Mm. Um, when their crops are going to be ready, when they should be planting, what, when, what weather's going to be affecting yeah. them. Because cause it's solving a real world problem. Because as she says, right now where, you know, we're going to need to create, what's the percentage? It's 60%, 60% more, more food. food with 30% less water or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 40% less water yeah. in 30 years time. And, and That's right. And right now we're wasting 30% of the food because yeah. for being not able to predict mm. whether and, and when crops are going to be ready, they need to grow more yeah. than what they actually need. And yeah, you've got that scenario. Like I remember even just a year ago, two years ago, um, there were way too many pineapples yeah. in North Queensland. I think there was just way too, too many, many strawberries too. Yeah. And they just literally, they were yeah. sitting in piles, just mm. throwing them out. Yeah. They had to still pay people to like harvest them. Yeah. Because you can't leave them on there. It might affect next year's crop. Yeah. And um, yeah, they were just in big, huge piles, tons of pineapples. The the the, the savings weren't even really passed through to the market no. because um, they just literally couldn't get them to all the supermarkets. Yeah, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. So this is a really interesting topic. It definitely is around using data, using modern technology mm. to solve real world problems. So I feel like someone like Greta. Greta Thunberg yeah, she, and the climate strikes could really get around this. Could really get around this. And it, it, it's it's such a good cause. It's such a good business idea. Mm. Um, and she's used big data and all sorts of things in the past to, to uh, solve real, real world problems like this. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a really good use of this data and this information that's out there that you're leaving yeah. to actually influence your behavior. And it's actually a really good idea. I mean, if you come up with a smart way to use data... And then bring in a bit of artificial intelligence as well. Mm. You could create an amazing business that could change the world. Exactly. And that's what Roz is is doing. Yeah. So well, she, uh, they claim that uh, they can help a farmer uh, plant a crop and know with 97% accuracy at the day that they plant it, when it'll be ready for harvest. Mm. 97% cool accuracy. I, I love the sound of that. It actually even makes me want to go out and start a farm, Dan. Yeah, well, maybe a vineyard. I, I've started a veggie garden. Oh, well, maybe and, you should uh, sign up to the, uh, I've the grown, yield. I've grown rocket so far. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually starting to grow potatoes. They're yeah. going really well. They're, they're coming out and they're, the carrots as well. I'm starting to grow car carrots. I also liked Roz because she referred to accountants as data scientists. Yeah. <laughs> she said, I think, well, the, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, where the... Uh, curators of data or something like that something like that um very interesting anyway Love it. enjoy our chat with roz we certainly did yes uh and we will see you after that hello welcome to the two drunk accountants we have uh roz harvey with us today and uh she is the founder and managing director of ag tech business the yield Great. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah. Thanks. We're excited. Uh, we just caught your keynote just before and we, we, we loved it. We were come out talking about it and we've got some uh, things to chat to you about. So, yeah, yeah. we're excited. Um, I think what really um, resonates with us was uh, when you called us data scientists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's true. Yeah. You know, in bed last night, my daughter came up with me from Sydney. Oh, She's nice. on, on holiday from uni. And, you know, I said to her, just Google that, will you, and find out how long accountants have been around. Well, and that's and she went back and she said, Mum, it's millenniums, BC. <laughs> wow. I was like, wow. Because I said, oh, geez, that's more than decades. She said, no, Mum, that's millennial. <laughs> and it's true if you think about it. Yeah. It is really seriously true. Yeah. And I suppose the point that I was trying to make is that often people think that data science is really intimidating. Mm, and yeah. 
And, you know, like all new things, you've got to learn new skills, of course. But really what, you know, accountants have been doing for millenniums, as we now know, True. is actually making sense of data and creating yeah. value from it. And that's kind of really what data science is about. Yeah. It's just we have some really powerful tools in how to do that mm. now. Yeah. I think um, um, listening to your TEDx, uh, which you recorded earlier in the year, mm. and, uh, and to your keynote today, um, I guess it just opened my eyes to a bit of a brand new world of data. Yeah. And the way things are heading uh, with our footprint, mm. with the information that we have online, um, but also the way it can be used for mm. benefit, for yeah. good. Look, it is. It's incredibly powerful what can be done. And that was one of the points I suppose I was trying to call out towards the end is, you know, accountants really need to make sure that they're working with the clients to understand what sort of data they have and to make sure they secure it and keep it. Yeah. You know, because often we find we, we do a lot of data science. And mm. when you get in the world of artificial intelligence and machine learning, you're not using biophysical models of the world. You're relying on the data. Yeah. And so um, I'll give you a really concrete example, in fact. You yeah, know, cool. If you think about one of the things, the examples that we gave is doing yield prediction. So yes, yep. you can say to a client, how much product they're going to have ready at what time. Yeah. Mm. Now, what we're doing is we're taking data from the energy that the plant gets, which is measured by what we measure, which mm. is you know all the environmental conditions, the energy, if you like. Right. But we also take the data about the food and the water that the plant uses. Yeah, right. And then we take the harvest management system, which actually comes from the piece rate, the pay yeah. system for piece rate workers. Yeah. Three right. different data owners mm. so um, of the, the data sets we're using and combining. Yeah. Then we're using artificial intelligence to predict. We can only do that because this particular customer has 10 years of data. Yeah. And so they never, ever thought they were collecting data on yeah. you know, the way they're paying their employees Definitely. that would be used to predict their yield, which is, you know, a multi-million dollar problem for this particular <sighs> client. That's and brilliant. so that's what I think, you know, people really need to understand and, and, you know, maybe your hearers who are interested in accounting and is in some ways accountants have this incredibly trusted relationship with yeah. their clients. Mm, yeah and um, helping your clients really understand that data yeah, is super important and you don't even know what you're going to use it for now yeah. and you don't know the value of it. Yeah, yeah. that's the hardest thing. Yeah, you, you, you gave a few examples of something that accountants should be doing, which I, I wrote it down so I'd remember. It was find out yeah. about the Consumer Data Rights <laughs> Bill, yeah. uh, yep, do yep. a data audit with your clients and uh, make sure they keep that data. Uh, on, a, on a practical level with small business, like what kind of data are we looking at that they've got? You know, uh, you know let's say an accounting firm, mm. um, where should we be looking <laughs> to figure out what well, data we got? first of all, look at every software subscription you have. Okay, yeah. all right. And yep. that's the first place to start. Just write yeah. them down. Just, just write them down. In an Excel spreadsheet, maybe? You, you, <laughs> in an Excel spreadsheet, you will be shocked, particularly the cloud-based ones, yeah. because the cloud-based ones mean you know that someone potentially could be using that data for true. something else. True, yeah. But I would, the first starting point is every piece of software that you're interacting with, mm -hmm. um, that is a way that data is potentially being stored. Um, and then... Uh, you know, look at your own business systems mm. as well, yeah. uh, and you know what you're actually collecting. So it might be obviously zero keeps its data, yep. but um, you know you'll find often companies will have you know um, systems for they, how they manage content that they push out to their customers. Yeah, or yeah right, sure. It might be asset management data, yeah. or you yep. know, there's a whole range of different things. Sure. That, or mm. it might be the inventory control system mm. for a sh for a shop or something yeah. like that. Mm. So there's all these different ways that people actually have data that they don't even know that they're
they've yeah. realized yeah. that they're creating. And so they just mm. reach out to those providers as well and say, hey, I want my data. <laughs> like, how does that work? Well, I think the really important thing is to read the T's and C's. Yeah, yeah. which none of us do. Everyone just goes, yeah, I've read it. <laughs> and actually, I think that what's going to happen with time is people are going to learn to be a lot more educated about data. Yeah, yeah sure. And I think the CDR, the, the Consumer um, um, Data Rights Bill, will actually really help mm. with this. Yeah, so but it's all about open banking and that kind yeah, of information. Yeah, yeah. Basically, what it means is by February 2020, that a individual or a business will mm. be able to say to the big four, I want to take my data, mm. not only my credit and debit yep. and transactional data, but also the data I gave you to assess my overdraft yeah. or my loan. Yeah. You know, all of those, you know, when you fill in mm. those Powerful. mortgage things. Yeah. Painful, yeah. Oh, they painful. know more about us than we know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That you, they have to let you take that data take and give it to another authorized. Wow. So they have to be authorized. Yeah. Um, to actually hand over the data. Now, the, the theory of this is that what that will mean is that all these new, um, it'll create much more competition and innovation mm. because there's less barriers to move. Yeah. Yeah. And if these other companies can access that data, then yeah. they can customize products and services, financial mm. service, insurance products yeah. to 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 the consumer. Do you, and I mean, that's a really good thing. Do you, do you see that yeah. expanding further than just your banking information? And oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's already foreshadowed in the yeah. bill that it will move to electricity providers, telephone yeah. services, providers, internet wow. service providers, and I think you can easily see this, you know, going more broadly. I think what's happening is that, you know, the kind of like the first wave of these digital economies, you have these huge digital monopolies mm. like, you know, Facebook and yeah. Twitter yeah. and Google and Amazon. And, yeah. Whose business and is that data to sell, yeah. Correct. You know, yeah. where really effectively you're the product. Yeah. So they give you a free service or product or very discounted and yeah. you're the product because they're harvesting the data about you and yeah. then they're on selling it for advertising yeah. or whatever. And I think it increasingly, you know, in the Cambridge Analytica thing really yeah. accelerated this is that people have become very concerned about how that data has been used. Mm. And rightly, regulators are concerned from a competition perspective yeah. is that it really is stopping a lot, it's creating monopolies. Yeah. And no monopoly is a good thing. No, and no. so I think the pressure is going to be on to create data markets. I think mm. customers are going to want it. I think regulators are going to want it. Yeah. And the question is how will that, you know, how yeah. will that actually happen? It's, it's still really early days in data markets, but you can see where it's going. Mm. I, yeah, I just think um, it's the first notion of data markets um, that I've ever known. And I guess it's just going to be interesting to see as this idea proliferates throughout mm. um, the world um, to see how people respond to that, mm. whether they cancel their Facebook accounts or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or change the way they shop. Mm. Um, it's just going to be a very interesting uh, future in that space. Well, it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an education process. Mm. I mean, we always say in, in our business, the way we do with data is that our customers should have transparency yeah. They should have control yeah. and they should have incentive to share data. Yeah. And these are the three principles of, of, of a really effective data market. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, to be honest, I think it's still an, an emerging area yeah. and um, the technology hasn't quite caught up where it needs to be to really genuinely create data markets. Yeah. And uh, we also don't, we don't have the business models because we don't know, you know, if I was going to pay a micro payment for a piece of data to use in a model. Yeah. We kind of just don't understand the yeah. value creation of how you price that even. Exactly. And so I think we're still some way away from it, but I think it will get there. But the most important thing, even putting aside data markets, is your data has value. Yes. I can yeah, tell a story yes. actually um, about Bosch, who's an investor in our yeah, business. Yeah, you know okay, the yeah. 
appliance yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, dishwashers and stuff. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they make a huge, huge, huge global business. Yeah. And every in their across their whole business, they've made a decision that every single thing that they make will be connected to the internet yeah, wow. and that they will store the data. They don't know what it will be used for. They mm. have no idea. Wow. Um, sometimes they have some ideas. Some, they're already u- leveraging it, but yeah. they're really saying every single thing we will connect and we will store the data because we know that in the future this will create value, even if we don't know Crazy. now how we're going to use it. Well, I guess it's like you're saying, um, you had uh, agricultural business, which had 10 years of data, mm. which was a goldmine, essentially, yes. for you guys to come in. Uh, which is a great segue actually to speak more about the yield too, yeah. because <laughs> which is your baby at the yeah. moment. Um, so I love the idea behind it in terms of cutting waste and um, the, I guess the sustainability idea of, of, of helping climate change and, and producing food for our growing population by mm. 2050. We need. Yeah. Was it 50 or 60 percent more food? 60 percent more food. It's scary. It's scary. I I think about it every now and then, and then I, it scares me, and I stop thinking about it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how is that? How are we going to solve that problem? Yeah. This gives me a lot of hope that uh, we're on the right path. Yeah, yeah. I'm a techno optimist. I you know yeah, I, yeah. I hope that technology will help us you mm. know address these challenges. But certainly in terms of food production, I think absolutely it will. Is yeah, what we're yeah. seeing globally is the sustainable intensification of agriculture. So yeah. for example, growing things in a polytunnel, yeah. you know, putting products, growing plants in pots yeah. in these polytunnels right. using very, you know, precise amount of water and food through these wow. piping systems, you yeah. use seven times less water if wow. you grow it in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can see that this is gonna happen more and more and more. Yeah. And um, I think it's really exciting. Having said that, we've got some pretty big challenges to address. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think that you know, we all need to take this a whole lot more seriously than we do. Well, it's, it's yeah. not just the producers. So the yield is about trying to help people in agriculture waste less water, waste less land. And also it's taking that guesswork out of it so they don't have to overproduce by 30, 40% in terms of the food they're trying to grow yeah. uh, as an insurance policy in mm. case there's a big storm that comes or in case mm. it's a bad growing season. Mm. Mm. Um, Yes, if you give people accurate real-time information, they can use that to make better decisions. Yes. The thing about growers yeah. is the one thing they can't control is the weather. Yeah. It's, it's this driver yes. of uncertainty yep. that ricochets up and down the supply chain. Yep. And so really what, as a business, we're focusing on is measuring the 14 variables that drive all agricultural yeah, okay. models, things mm. like light and energy and rain. And, yep. and then we use artificial intelligence to predict it with a high degree of accuracy yep. and then put it into applications for people to make vast, mm. confident decisions along the supply chain. Amazing. I think you said yeah. in your keynote it was up to seven, uh, 97% accuracy of right. when it's going to be ready for, for harvest. Yeah. So which is crazy. insane. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's really crazy. That example is from um, like leafy green sort of right. area yeah. Yeah. where you have lots of data to use because yeah. they plant every week. Right. And so you get this, these incredible what they so call couplets of data of plant and harvest data. So yeah. it's just harvest after harvest after harvest. Yeah, so they continue to rotate yeah. just continuously because they have to continuously yeah. produce. Mm-hmm. But the same principle applies. You know, we've, we're doing this now, extending into berries and into mm. viticulture. We've had very good success and into other crops. Yeah. And so it's actually very exciting because it's a huge problem. So, for example, in wine, yeah. in Australia alone, it's a $300 million problem every year of just not being able to predict the right yes. time yep. when 
yeah. the grapes are going to be ready to pick. Because you can imagine you've got this massive footprint of grow. Absolutely. And you've got to get it all through this processing window, Absolutely. which is getting shorter and shorter because yeah. of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And so they have to know what's ready when to get it through in the it's right amount huge. of time. It's huge. And if they don't have good predictions, it's very it's just a massive logistics problem. And every region has different needs for that as well, depending right. on where you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I it's was kind of exciting, actually. Oh, it's hugely exciting. I, I love... Um, the thing is about artificial intelligence and machine learning, really what you're doing is using masses amount of data to have computers look for, you know, looking yeah. for the patent in it and yeah. to self-learn. Yeah. And something like agriculture and weather, which has all these different interdependent variables mm. that are all on this sea of uncertainty driven by weather, it's the perfect industry for yeah. this sort of technology yeah. because yeah. it's not like a factory, just pull this lever and that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it's actually Definitely. really an exciting industry. Well, it's the whole Definitely. thing's exciting for me because, you know, uh, you gave the example before about the Facebooks of the world and those kind of people using the data for what people might not be entirely happy about. Um, but this is just the other side of that coin where you can yeah. show you don't need mm. to be as worried about that some of that data that's out there because yeah. it could be used to for good. For good. For sustainability. To, to, to solve real world big problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what else could true. you... Yeah. <laughs> and it is now. It is, honestly, it's really exciting. It, there, it is true. There is risk in all this data as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that as a society, we've just got to have a really honest um, understanding of it. It can yeah. be... It's so incredibly powerful and yeah. can solve problems, you know, wicked problems we've never been able to solve. Yeah. But it also can be used the wrong way the wrong as well, way. As, yeah. we've seen. as we've seen. And so I think that, you know, as a society, we need to understand mm. this really deeply and well and get the right governance around how data is used to make yeah. sure that we make the most of the good side and don't let too much of the bad side in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I also but like I don't want to throw the whole baby out with the bath water no, yeah. just yeah. because some people have used it for not so great things. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I was um, researching what you are doing. Um, there is a lot of grey area in there and ethical and moral issues potentially. But, um, but I think just pushing it, having that uh, mindset of using it for good yeah, yeah, it's going to yeah. put it in the right Actually, direction. Actually, it comes back to be really, you know, back to the more, you know, I suppose immediate for many of your listeners is this whole issue of the T's and C's of how, yeah. you know, the yes. terms and conditions of how data is used. Sure. Um, it's really, really important. So in our business, we say, first of all, not only you own your data by contract, because just ticking a box saying you have privacy, that only protects your individual name. It doesn't right. protect any business data at all. Privacy law right. only protects individual data. Yeah, okay. And right. so when what we do is we protect it by contract and saying right. you own your own yeah. data. Yeah. But not only that, we say even we won't aggregate it and change it yeah. and use it without you agreeing mm. and giving you some, some sort of upside. And then the final thing we say is we also won't knowingly even aggregate and anonymize mm. data and sell to someone who could use it against you. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if we took data and we sold it to a oh. buyer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, exactly. even if we aggregated it up and changed it so it wasn't the individual data anymore, yeah. it could be used against growers and make mm. them worse off. Absolutely. So I think you kind of have to be really clear on where um, it's whose being side used. you're on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. That's absolutely cool. true. I mean, it, during your keynote, you were mentioning you know you you use it obviously for people who are growers, the growers out there, but also um, giving the information through to universities and to yeah. people that can actually make. Um, further knowledge and some real understanding of what's going on and, and use that data to, to further yeah. the applications of it. Mm. Um, and also government make yeah. policies can actually help people by, by doing that. And I, it's another thing I found quite interesting with the Xero um, and now like talking about their business insights and same kind of thing, you know, they're using that data to 
help people get paid better or, yeah. or, or whatever. Yep. It's it's fascinating stuff. It is a really, really interesting thing. Yeah. There's a lot of trust in that. So yep. that even with giving data to government or researchers, we still require our customers to agree to that agree. they can opt out. Yeah. But most most of it don't. You know, most mm. are really willing to participate because it's cool. better for everyone. Helps them, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So a few more questions for you. Yep. Do you have an epic garden at home? <laughs> oh, that is so funny. I live in an apartment in Surrey Hills in Sydney. <laughs> and I, uh, a I have a garden. terrace. I have a very beautiful terrace and I am about to put um, plants on it in Portland. Nice. We're having this whole conversation because I just renovated it. Okay, and nice. so I didn't want to do the garden until I'd done the inside. So this is the plan that is happening. Nice. So you're going to use big summer. data about cool. Surrey Hills and the weather. <laughs> yeah. and the Absolutely. Because, you know, like oh. the thing is about weather, which people don't realise, is that when you look up the weather, even if you put in your postcode, yeah. you're getting a data from a world grid. Yeah. So there's this thing called the global forecasting system right. where all the governments of the world, including Australia, contribute to this huge oh. international model. which yeah. actually, oh. um, And it creates a global grid of 25 oh. by 25 kilometres, which is, what, 500 the accountants 556 <laughs> square kilometers. A big <laughs> and in Australia, where we're relatively rich, we add weather stations. That's what the Bureau of Meteorology does, yeah. and yeah. they get it down to a four by four kilometer. But it's still 16 still, square kilometers. Yeah. So yeah. when you, think you about look that, up the yeah. weather, you get an average. And so yes. what we're doing is, wherever we have our sensors, mm. we give you a point prediction. It's highly accurate. So yeah. in this particular case, in some ways, it's better in cities. So yeah. you imagine every balcony, every building site, concrete pores. True. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They're really amazing microclimates. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm excited to see uh, <laughs> potentially social media, your tomato <laughs> harvest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's a few this really time. cool program called uh, MIT in the States where um, they create recipes for plants. Oh, right. Oh, right. And okay. so that, you know, like you can buy seeds for tomatoes yeah. and use right. a digital recipe. Oh. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. That's great. It's it kind of getting there. It's not commercially available yet, but that's what's going to happen. It's right? just eye-opening. There's so many things we haven't thought of. I just, yeah. No, I, I guess you just don't you know what you don't know. Stuff right? really well without, you know. In some ways, that's what really we're doing. We're creating yeah. knowledge infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. the data is actually to irrelevant. It's how you actually put it together to create knowledge infrastructure mm, that yeah. can help people do things better. In our case, grow things. Yeah. yeah. Growing wisdom, yeah. right? That's oh, it. you like that <laughs> Had to get that in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we better let you get back right, uh, back to the lot, conference. Guys. Go out thanks and enjoy, and yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. Nice to see you all. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Bye. And we're back. That was awesome. What yeah. A, what a great chat. Thanks, Rose, for making the time on that busy day. I'm sure she had a busy uh, schedule. She was just, <laughs> she, she'd come off the thing, she was uh, come off her, her, uh, her speech, speech. Uh, was walking around, doing stuff, doing interviews, and uh, took half an hour out of her day to have a chat to sit down with us and he's kind of oh so what do you what are you guys called and the two drunk accountants <laughs> <laughs> you can see uh, she wasn't uh, uh, she wasn't hesitant but amused. yeah exactly yeah. Um, but no it was really great having a chat I felt like we got some some great stuff out of that yeah it was great meeting her she's a really really lovely person and I look forward to seeing um, the changes that the yield and similar ideas make to our planet exactly alright Tim uh, what's your other thing this week uh, do you remember what I used last week? I do not. Damn I can it. tell you what I used last week. Damn it. Two things. Um, one was to give Kat a shout out for a birthday that, uh, yeah. that is now three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Even more in the doghouse. Uh, and the other one was the Survivor finale, which I really uh, enjoyed. Yes, now um, I remember what it was. Yeah, I, I had a great, um, great viewing experience of Survivor. Mm. Uh, Pia won. Good work, Pia. Um, Luke, the people's champ, uh, ended up raising more. Mm. Uh, than you'd get for winning. Yeah, that's cool. So that was really cool. That's cool. Uh, he ended up shutting down that GoFundMe and, and anyone else that wanted to donate, he funneled it to a charity. That's cool. Mm. That's awesome. He said, um, you know, I've already got the same amount I, w- I would have got for winning. So yeah. any further, it would just be greedy. So put yeah. it all to charity. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. I actually have a friend on Facebook for his birthday. He put out a post saying, anyone who wants to give me something for my birthday, donate to the Black Dog charity. Yeah, right. Um, his name's Wethan Formby on, on Facebook, W-E-T-H-A-N, yeah. Formby, F-O-R-M-B-Y. Mm. He's raised over $1,000. Whoa, good That on was him. his target, $1,000. And he's raised like 1200 at this point. Good on him. And people are still donating. That's really cool. It's crazy. My, so that's, um, really, that's a really cool thing people can do for their birthday on Facebook. Yeah. My, uh, charity. my dad did that for Christmas a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's cool. He said... Uh, Anyone who would normally get me a present, donate to this charity that, yeah. that I like. I liked it. And everyone donated 50 bucks to a charity. That, yeah. yeah. It's a good Pretty idea. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. He said, I can get everything I want otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. need, I don't need your stuff. Just I donate like to the charity. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, I think I remember I talked about The Bachelor finale. You did talk about The Bachelor finale. We actually went into a fairly in-depth conversation yeah, about so that. Like, we yeah, probably don't need to don't do that. I don't need to talk so long about The Bachelor. Mm. Especially now it's another week. Yeah. I realize I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> we cared right at that specific moment in time. And then from then on, we're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's faded into the, the background of insignificance for me. Yeah, um, yeah so good on... Uh, who want to Chelsea. <laughs> this is bad. Chelsea. This is really bad. Shows how much it's important to us. Yeah. I think what's important to us this week, Tim, perhaps, is the climate strikes happened. And yeah, we mentioned definitely Greta. Talk, definitely want to talk Thunberg, about Greta. Thunberg. I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah, that. Sorry name. if we're mispronouncing that. Um, but she gave a fairly uh, passionate speech to the UN. So we're in an interesting position here, Dan, because we have a lot of clients who are, we have a diverse range of clients. And I have spoken to some clients about this, mm. climate change and things like that. Mm. And it seems, depending on your age mm. and background, you will have a different outlook on mm. Greta yeah. and her message. There's a lot of and people who, yeah, got we're really late 20s. Yeah. We're late 20s. So we're kind of in between generations, mm. you know? Yeah, we're not the Greta generation. Um, we're the one above that, but we're not also the old white man who's getting angry about it generation. <laughs> yeah. There was an AFL media person. So he used to play AFL and he was on the AFL footy show, which is yeah. also now mm. gone. And um, yeah, he he was real scathing of Greta. Yeah, he right. called her a brat. And he was like, why are we giving this brat any um, airtime? And it's confusing it's like, why, it, why and it a makes bunch people, of people so came angry. Out and like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Sam. Sort of thing. Yeah, it's confusing why it makes people so angry. I don't know if it's like a sexism thing or an ageism thing or, or what it, what it is, or, oh, or if it's yeah. just a political thing where they don't believe in climate change, they're more yeah, conservative. I think a lot of people it's are a bit still of, a bit of both skeptical. Mm. Here's an interesting point that a mm. client of mine made in a chat mm. um, earlier in the week. And we weren't really talking about Greta, but we we're just talking mm. about yeah climate change and. Um, he he actually lives in a remote area and mm. and they are approaching zero water in mm. their dam catchment 
by April next year. It's a very Oof. real reality. Mm. And they rely on that water for mining and agriculture. Mm. So, it's going to shut down basically all of their towns mm. if they run out of water. Yep. And I said, well, what person could stand for climate change more than you guys? Mm. Thinking that he'd be very passionate about it. Mm. But his view was, it's not climate change, it's the way we're using the water. He reckons they use 30% mm. of water each year from the dam for environmental flows. And I don't really understand all of that. But Yeah, that's that's pushing the water into the str- into the rivers yeah. um, to make them more sustainable. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So, that was his perspective. He's like, we're wasting water for environmental reasons mm. that could sustain our communities and economies out here yeah. in, in west, deep western New South Wales. Yeah. Where it's very dry. Um, and in fact, you know, he was telling me about people who had um, 10,000 head of cattle who now have 20 because yeah. of they've had to sell them all. He's telling me about people paying 25 grand a week just to feed their, their sheep. Mm. So, and this is something that like people, you know, we're on the coast. We don't even know about all these issues no. because of the drought. Mm. Um, so anyway, his perspective was his dad in the seventies was scared about global cooling, mm. that everyone would be burning their fossil fuel just to stay warm because of the trend of global cooling that was mm. happening at the time. Mm. So, that's why he's a bit skeptical of global warming. Yeah. He thinks it's all cycle, cyclical in yeah. nature. But I think what some people are missing is we're actually going beyond the cycle mm. and that's what science is showing. Exactly. If we keep pushing, apparently, according mm. to most scientists, if we keep pushing another 1.5 degrees in temperature rise... Mm. We're going beyond the cycle and it's irreversible potentially. Exactly. I think the, there is a cycle. And I, I think it's something like an 11,000 year sun cycle. that mm. So, it, it goes through a, a magnetic cycle and it releases right. certain amounts of energy and, and sometimes we move further and we tilt more and, yeah. and we do things. And there is a cycle. Yeah. Um, but the rate of change that's happening now is greater than it's yes. ever been before and yeah. that's the issue is yeah. that we're changing so much. Yeah that it's going to be permanent yeah. and we're going to c- cause irreversible damage. Um, it's scary. That's the issue. I think the, the right way to look at this is um, any change is going to be good mm. in the right direction. If we clean up the environment... Yeah, I, I see no reason. it's a positive. And, and that's the big thing. Everyone's arguing about, no, no, we need st- still need fossil fuel. Like we still need coal power plants. We still need all that kind of stuff. But forget about the climate change debate. Just let's yeah. pretend climate change isn't happening. Yeah. It's still a good idea to move to renewable energies. Yeah, it's going to make us all healthier. It's still it's a good make, idea. <laughs> it's going to make human life on Earth more sustainable. Yeah, Because exactly. we're running out of fossil fuels as it is. Exactly. And, you know, what is the human race only going to be around for the next 50 yeah. years? <laughs> exactly. So, it's it's still a good idea. Yeah. Regardless of climate change, it's still a good idea. So, so anything we can do be it. doing now to transition yeah. and push in that direction... It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Mm. Even if it turns out climate change and global warming is a farce. Yeah. Great. I'm glad about that. Yeah. But if we've done something we've to still done a clean good thing. up the yeah. world, awesome. Less pollution's good. Captain Planet. Exactly. Um, it was interesting watching the um, the Prime Minister overseas in the US. He was gave a speech. He didn't go to the, the climate conference, but he went to the UN conference. Yeah. Um, and he, he gave a speech because apparently everyone's criticizing Australia for not doing enough. Yeah. Um, and he was saying, oh, we've already met, we've exceeded our Kyoto targets and we're going to meet our Paris targets. We're doing everything that we're meant to be doing, which apparently is true. Huh. But if you look at what our target is versus what the rest of the world's target ah. is, we're far below it. So, we are meeting our targets. Mm. 
but the targets are too low. They're not. They're not high enough. So it's like mm. a lot of countries are going, um, you know, a certain percentage less than the 1995 targets, but we're yeah. going certain percentage less than our 2005 levels. Mm. So it's like there's a gap there, and mm. then there's a gap between. Um, People are targeting 50% renewal, renewables yeah. and we're targeting 30. Well, this is where other people become disillusioned as well mm. because they're like, well, um, and I'm not choosing, you know, one out of the bunch mm. here, but, you know, China is a good example because of their population and mm. um, they're a developing country. Mm. So, um, they, mm. they produce a lot of things and mm. so they use a lot of um, fossil fuels, mm. no doubt, and, and resources. Mm. So... Um, they go, well, what difference is it going to make if we do that? Mm. If China isn't changing yeah, exactly. or if India isn't changing or if Brazil isn't changing because of their population. Mm. Um, and it's like, well, you know, we may as well do something, exactly, right? Yeah. It's better than just sitting on our hands and doing nothing. I'd, I'd rather lead than fall yeah, behind. Yeah. <laughs> and find, it might actually give you an advantage in the future. Exactly. It might actually, you might look back and be like, if I'm we, so glad we did that. If we become really good at sustainable energy development, we could sell that. It could be a service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and anyway, we're not going to solve it on this podcast. I did, uh, one last thing though. Yeah. Um, Maybe we will. Donald, <laughs> Donald Trump, um, the media asked him about what he thought of Greta. And he said, she's a uh, very, uh, what did he say? She's a really bright and um, optimistic young woman <laughs> who has a very um, uh, high expectations for the future. Something like that. I it think was like he, super sarcastic. He tweeted something was like, Greta's a very happy young girl or yeah, something like who that. Has, <laughs> who has amazing expectations for the future. And, I, I will admit it, it was funny, but terrible at the same time. Funny, But what I found was funny was um, Greta then updated. You know how you have a Twitter ha like um, bio? Yeah. She put that in her bio, <laughs> which is great. I thought That's that was funny. awesome. Like, yeah. Actually, she used that as a sarcastic way of depicting her own way of looking at the world right now. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting, interesting times. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our chat. I was about to say with Greta, with Ros Harvey <laughs> <laughs> and our uh, political debate that we had at the end here. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, Two Drunk Accountants on uh, Instagram, at Two Drunk Podcast on Twitter, Two Drunk Accountants on Facebook, uh, Drunk Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. We love to hear some feedback. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and maybe tell your friends. Tell us your thoughts on climate change. <laughs> if you could send us the solution to climate change, um, man, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be good actually. Thank All you. right. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. later.